Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. So today's case was one I stumbled upon. I believe I was reading a Vanity Fair article, I think, and I was like, oh my gosh, not another love triangle, but this one is a little bit different. Imagine you come home after a long day at work, you just want to get inside, wind down, but as you approach your house, you see police waiting in your driveway. They tell you they have a warrant to search all your personal devices, your laptop, your tablet, your phone. Suddenly, you're in handcuffs sitting in the back of a cop car on your way to jail. You have no idea what's going on. Let's just jump in, guys. Let's talk about Michelle Hadley. She was born in Anaheim, California with her parents and her younger sister and she grew up in a really strict and conservative family. She was close to her parents who owned a manufacturing business and they basically raised her not to be a party girl. They raised her to be conservative and not really take risks. She just lived a simple, straightforward, clean life. Nothing bad ever happened to her. She was a self-professed goody two-shoes and she just always did the right things, never ever rebelled, and was just a good, sweet girl. She had been dating her high school sweetheart, and they had been dating for a long time. And when she was 22, they got married. However, this marriage wouldn't last, and just a few years later, they would get divorced. In August 2013, when she was 26 years old, she would meet 35-year-old Ian Diaz and they would meet at Starbucks and he approached her and he told her she's so beautiful and immediately she was smitten. Michelle was small and petite and very intellectual and Ian was tall and lanky but he was very strong because he was also a US Marshal. Michelle found Ian attentive and sweet and he was a hard worker who lived with his mom. Ian told her he loved her on their second day together and she just found this sweet. She didn't find it to be strange. Michelle just thought that Ian was older and wiser and he just experienced life more. So he probably just knew what he wanted. By the spring of 2014, they moved in together. However, Ian showed signs that he was pretty controlling early on in their relationship. Michelle was pretty simple in terms of her appearance, but Ian, he wanted her to become sexier, look sexier, dress sexier. He wanted her to wear crop tops, get fake long nails and get her belly button pierced. Isn't that so unheard of? Usually guys want you to like be more simple. I mean, if you're kind of already like that, they, they don't care about all that kind of stuff. But Ian, he cared about it. He wanted her to be kind of like a different girl. He also wanted her to get a new job, but the job that he was recommending came with a 20K pay cut. And at the time she was working at Disneyland. I don't think in the actual park or maybe, but she was like a marketing manager and he wanted her to leave that job and go to a job that he suggested because he thought, you know, it's a better job and that she would love it too. But in reality, this job he was recommending was one of his old jobs and he wanted his ex-co-workers to keep an eye on Michelle so he could know what she was doing during the work week. Now, long story short, Ian was controlling 
And he wanted to know what Michelle was doing and where she was at all times. He would spy on her computer. He would check her online activity. So apart from her job, Michelle was also trying to get her MBA. So she was going to night classes. So if she drove anywhere that wasn't her usual route, like of work, home or school, she would immediately get a call from Ian being like, oh, where are you going? Like, what are you up to? So obviously he's tracking her, but Michelle kind of just dismissed these encounters, incidents, and kind of just was like, oh, you know, he just cares about me. And when he proposed to her later that year, she was extremely happy. In December of 2014, he presented her with a beautiful ring, diamond ring with a halo around it. And she was just so happy. She was so happy to be getting married again. Soon into their relationship, Ian began asking and kept pressuring Michelle to have sex with other men while he watched. Michelle, being the type of girl that she was, she was definitely not into this and she kept telling him no. I mean, kinks are kinks, right? But what the hell do you do if the person you're in a relationship with has a kink that you're just not into? What do you do? Michelle told him to stop asking or she would break up with him. Ian didn't really care. He just told her she was overreacting and just kept asking anyway. So in February 2015 on Valentine's Day, after months of Ian's constant requests, keep in mind, she was also sick. She had a cold and she was taking nighttime cold medicine. Michelle gave in to Ian's pressure. When she agreed, he gave her three shots of whiskey, and set up cameras in their bedroom. He then spoke to a stranger on Craigslist and arranged for the stranger to come over to their apartment. This stranger was going to be having sex with his fiance, Michelle. So while Michelle and this stranger were having sex in their bedroom, Ian was filming it and watching from another room. Now, obviously, the next morning, Michelle, she felt so sick and she regretted it immediately. She told Ian that she felt like she had been raped and that she wanted to destroy the tape. She wanted nothing to do with it. But this made Ian very angry and he told her, no one put a gun to your head. Then in the summer of 2015, they would move into a new home into a two-story condo. The condo was in downtown Anaheim and Michelle was the one who fronted the down payment of $14,400 and together they took out a mortgage of $459,000. After they moved into this condo, things kind of just took a turn. Ian became increasingly violent and angry. He was becoming more and more paranoid and wanted to control Michelle even more. Michelle then began to take a look inside her own relationship and she asked her sister like, hold on, am I crazy? And she soon realized this relationship was not right. She wasn't crazy and she ended it. So at the end of that summer, they broke up and he took her diamond engagement ring back and he accused Michelle of cheating on him. She packed up her things and she left the home that they purchased together. But As you can imagine, when you are in a relationship and you purchase things together, especially a home, things are not going to end well. Looking back, Michelle had realized the violence 
and control issues that she faced in her relationship, but she never reported anything to the police. She mainly spoke to her close friends and family about the issues. So at the end of their relationship began the start of a battle over their home. After they broke up, Ian stayed in the home while Michelle still continued to pay half the mortgage. They would have constant fights over the condo via email and even through this, Ian continued to accuse Michelle of cheating on him. Michelle was now getting really pissed at the whole situation and she too sent him really angry emails. One email that she sent him on 10th September 2015 read as follows, you're in your body but your mind is somewhere else. Your sins are many including defiling me and my family with your wicked and evil sexual acts, your financial coercion and irresponsibility, your gluttony, your greed, your lust, your sloth, your wrath, your envy, and most of all, your pride. I will bring the full force of the law and the word of God against you to judge you. Now, that email seems quite aggressive and quite, um, like if you're not religious, it seems kind of like, whoa, but Michelle was angry and she was a conservative person who believed that he was going to get payback for everything he did to her. Now, even though Michelle was pissed, she was still technically scared of Ian because remember, he was a US Marshal, so he was connected to law enforcement. And she was worried that he was going to use his connections to intimidate her into giving him the condo. She would see SUVs identical to Ian's just following her around wherever she went. She actually told people at her job and her school about this. And because of this, Ian was banned from attending her school campus. Then they finally decided to hire actual property lawyers. And on November 24th, 2015, Ian and Michelle would enter into an agreement in terms of their condo. So the agreement basically was that Ian would keep the condo and how this would happen was he would pay her $3,000 for her to release her rights to the condo. He would then have to transfer the mortgage into his sole name. He would have to do this by 5th of June, 2016. And if he couldn't get a mortgage, couldn't afford the property, they would then sell the home and then split the profits. Now, when you look into this, this is actually a great, great, fantastic deal for Ian. And this is probably just my lawyer side coming out, but she put down the $14,000 down payment, okay? All he had to pay her was $3,000. From the time when they bought the property to when they would possibly sell it if they if they sold it, there definitely would have been an increase in equity. So Michelle was losing out on a lot of money, but maybe she just wanted to like wipe her hands clean of Ian and not deal with it, but he was really getting a great deal. What's $3,000? It's nothing in terms of the money they could have gotten. So now it's May, 2016, and Ian still has not paid her the $3,000 or even transferred the mortgage into a sole name. So because of this, Michelle sends an email once again to Ian, letting him know that she plans to enforce the agreement, meaning we're gonna sell the property if you can't get that mortgage. And this obviously was a better deal for Michelle, but not a good deal for Ian. Then on 3rd June, 2016, Michelle finds out that Ian's application to transfer the mortgage into a sole name was denied. Now, those angry emails that Michelle had sent him, Ian was also not happy about this, and he reported these emails to the Anaheim police, 
And he also reported the fact that he was banned from her school. He was not happy about this. And he applied for a restraining order against Michelle. And he would allege that his ex was very emotionally unstable and she had a history of fits of rage. And these were the reasons why he needed a restraining order against Michelle. He also stated that Michelle self-medicated with alcohol and he feared for his safety. And this was the reason why he needed a restraining order against her. Then he even had the audacity, okay, to add in this restraining order that, you know, she flew into fits of rages during the course of their relationship. And because of this, she cheated on him with a man she met online. And then she blamed him for making her cheat. And then he also wrote that she told him during their relationship, I hate you, I hate this house, and if it were up to me, I'd burn this motherfucker down. I mean, we don't know what happens in people's relationships. We don't know if that's really what she said, but if it isn't, isn't it crazy how when you're in a relationship, everything's cool, and then as soon as you guys break up, it's like, fuck you, like you guys hate each other. When Michelle heard about this restraining order that he was planning to place on her, she sent him another email and it read as follows. She said, you do not get any woman, let alone the woman you prepare to love drunk and find a random man for her to have sex with while you make a pornographic video of her. That is rape, which is against the law. Luckily, there are plenty of text messages and a video to prove that you and the man you found coerced me sexually. And his application for a restraining order was dismissed. Now, meanwhile, what Michelle didn't know is that Ian was in a whole new relationship. In January, 2016, he meets a woman online. Her name was Angela Cornell. She was 31 years old and she was pregnant with Ian's baby. Within one month, they were married She moves into this condo and her name is now Angela Marie Diaz. So at this point, they've been together around six months. And by the end of May 2016, some strange things are going on. On 24th May 2016, Michelle was just getting constant notices and emails from Google and Microsoft. Google had sent her an email about an account that she had never started. Microsoft sent her an email saying that her main account was now being used as a recovery account for a bunch of other email addresses. And then over the next month, Michelle contacted the Anaheim police, letting them know that she believed that someone was possibly impersonating her online. She also contacted the FBI and the Department of Justice, but nothing was done. At this time, Michelle was starting over with her life. She had just rented a new small apartment and it was near her school and she was furnishing it on this really tight budget because I think she had spent like majority of her savings on that down payment for that condo. But for Ian's new wife, Angela, she was not having a nice start to her marriage with Ian. On May 25th, 2016, just a day before Michelle got those emails from Google and Microsoft, Angela got an email from a stranger warning her about Ian. But these emails quickly became graphic and threatening and threatening the life of her unborn baby. The email said things like, you are a piece of shit and I hope to God you burn for what you have done to us. There is no place you will be safe anymore. You might be beautiful. You might be the one he married, but you are still a sinner and must be punished. I will make sure 
you are reminded of your place by force. Now, some of these emails also had a common denominator, I guess. They had some biblical references. And here is some of one email. It's quite long, but it stated, there are legends that Adam had a wife before Eve, whose name was Lilith, but this is not found in the Bible. The legends vary significantly, but they all essentially agree that Lilith left Adam because she did not want to submit to him. According to the legends, Lilith was an evil, wicked woman who committed adultery with Satan and produced a race of evil creatures. I hope you are scared of death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. Be watchful of the daughters of God. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. He is using you for everything. Don't you see this? He is obsessed with me. I am his treasure princess. You are nothing. Watch your back tomorrow. Oh my God, guys. If I got an email like that, oh my God. I remember when that guy was stalking me, he would send like pornographic shit. But when you bring like God into it and stuff, I know you're like a bit there's a screw loose somewhere. Like, I don't want you to, you know, like, don't burn me. What the fuck? I would not put anything past anyone at this point. Like, no shit. People are crazy. Then poor Angela, she started receiving uh, pictures of women being beaten and bashed and who are naked. One email, they saw, like, you know, the signature. And the signature that was on the email was Michelle Hadley. And Ian and Angela were both like, They were already suspicious of Michelle, thinking, you know, he's the only one, um, she's the only one that Ian currently has beef with at the moment. But the fact that the signature was left on, they were like, it's Michelle. So they were super upset. And on 1st of June, 2016, they go to court to get a temporary restraining order against Michelle. And that same night, they filed a police report against Michelle. In this police report that they filed against Michelle, Angela had written, Miss Hadley has been emailing me for over one week, repeatedly threatening my life, my marriage, my safety, and slandering my husband. Miss Hadley has used over six different email addresses to contact me despite a request to cease communication. I am now fearful of living in my home. I've had to delete my online presence and I'm incredibly emotionally distressed. But despite this police report, The emails kept coming through and Michelle kept signing her name on these emails. She didn't care. Angela was now pissed. So she goes to the police station and reports Michelle violating this temporary restraining order. One thing that didn't really make sense was that I read that on 6th June, Ian was contacting the police and asking them to serve the restraining order on Michelle, but then also to arrest her for violating it. And I was like, how can you violate a restraining order that you haven't been served with? So what I'm guessing is that prior to 6th June, that week, you know, that week he was harassing the police, like serve this, serve this on her. And then when they did, and then the emails kept coming through, they were like, okay, we need to have her arrested for violating this restraining order. The first time Michelle had learned of Angela was six months into Ian and Angela's relationship in May 2016 when she saw uh, Angela's name listed on some of the financial paperwork relating to the condo. Then on 6th June 2016, she 
saw the name again when this restraining order was filed on her. And because they claimed that she violated this restraining order, the first time she actually met Angela was in court on 17th June. On 13th June 2016, an account belonging to Lilith Hadley responded to a Craigslist ad seeking women interested in rape fantasies in Orange County. A comment was left on this ad that stated, if you are free tonight, come find me. And then they gave the address of Angela and Ian's house. And it said, force me into my house and take me down. On 21st June 2016, a few days after meeting Angela in court, Michelle gets an email from Craigslist asking her to verify a new ad that she had apparently posted, which was titled Gang Rape Fantasy. She emailed Craigslist saying that they were fake ads and she never posted anything like that, but she never heard back from them. And then on 24th June 2016, Angela calls the police. A man had tried to rape her in front of her condo. Police found her crying with a reddened neck and a ripped shirt. A few hours later is when Michelle finds the police waiting for her outside her home. They came with warrants to search all her personal devices, her phone, her laptop, her tablets, and they also seized them. And Michelle then tells the police when she was interviewed that she was in this abusive relationship and she was with Ian, but the police basically dismissed her, like all her claims, and said, well, why didn't you ever mention this before to the police? Michelle spent that night in jail and then quinky dinky, the emails to Angela stopped. But the next morning, her parents posted $10,000 in cash to bail Michelle out. And as soon as she was released and back at home, the emails continued. Angela kept receiving these emails and men kept responding to ads regarding a rape fantasy and would arrive at her condo. Someone kept inviting these men on Craigslist to come to this Anaheim condo to be with Angela. It stated that she fantasized about rape and the ad invited men to have forcible sexual intercourse with her even if she screamed or resisted. Along with her address, the Craigslist ad also included intricate details of Angela's daily routine so that these men would know exactly when to catch her off guard or if they wanted to sort of attack her on a walk or something like that. But the problem was that Angela never wrote these ads. She was never looking for these men. Six men allegedly attended their home in Anaheim and they all made threats to rape or assault Angela before fleeing the scene. On July 13th, 2016, Angela calls 911 once again because she was attacked by a 17-year-old male. He too attempted to rape her before fleeing the scene. And unfortunately, these men were not caught by the police. And to be fair, they're not really... I mean, they're responding to an ad that's requesting this act. So it's a bit... It's a bit like of a tricky situation, right? But I mean, poor Angela, this must be so terrifying for her. I mean, she's also pregnant, like having to deal with this, being afraid in your own home because of someone making an ad about people willingly coming to assault you. 
I mean, the poor men too, they come thinking that this is what you want. And then if they ever manage to, it's like really actually assault, but that's not, you know, what they're thinking they're doing to you. It's such a messed up situation. And what makes it even worse is that Angela also lost her baby with all this stress she was under, but she would soon find herself pregnant again. And the second time she would miraculously be pregnant with twins. The next day, Michelle was arrested once again, but this time when she was at her parents' office doing homework. She was charged with stalking and attempted forcible. Her bail was set at $1 million. The DA believed that if Michelle was released, that she would then attempt to get Angela or killed. Michelle denied having involvement in any of this and her parents could have posted the $1 million bail to get her released. But Michelle said, no, 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 please hire me a good lawyer instead. So what was going on? Was Michelle this intent on getting back at Ian that she would arrange for random men to come and assault his new wife? What would she gain out of this? But then Ian goes on to state that this is actually the true Michelle, the Michelle that no one knows, that she was actually a horrible person. But Michelle's parents were like, this is not Michelle. They couldn't believe their daughter would do such a horrible thing. So they went to work. Now, tracing emails back to their original source is actually pretty simple. Every email comes with an IP address, which identifies the computer that the email was sent from. The way police would need to identify this is issue subpoenas on Google, Microsoft, companies like that. And they would have to get information on the IP addresses that had sent those emails. But if you use a VPN account, that information can possibly be hidden. Now, as you're probably aware, the city of Anaheim never properly investigated this case. They just believed Ian and Angela's accusations, and this was mainly due to Ian being a US Marshal. Ian would tell the police that his ex-girlfriend was a threat and that in all the years that he had been working as a US Marshal, he had investigated multiple threats to, you know, like prosecutors and federal judges, and he had never seen anything like this in his life. The night before Michelle was arrested, he would say to the police, is there any way to get this girl in cuffs tonight? And the police did what he asked without conducting a proper investigation. The four detectives on this case were Michael Kuna, William Seglagetis, Michael Lee, and James Pusey. And if they actually took the time to look into this case, trace emails, check CCTV footage, they would find out that Michelle was not the culprit. They would find out that Angela's attempted rape incident never took place. CCTV footage, right, of the entrance to Angela's garage showed no activity, but no one bothered to check. I mean, that's the number one thing you would check, right? Like if someone says, this guy attempted, you know, to do whatever to me at the front of my thing and you see a camera there. And the emails, okay, they were very easily traced and they were traced back to leave your comments below of who you think it was. They were traced back to Ian and Angela's condo, as well as Angela's phone and Angela's father's house. What Michelle's parents also found really strange was that none of the IP addresses matched any of Michelle's 
And then some of the emails were also sent when Michelle would have had no access to any of her devices. Some were sent when she was in class, when her devices would have been turned off. And then some were sent when her devices were seized by the police. She didn't even have any access to anything. And Michelle never got any of those devices back. Finally, it was uncovered that the emails Michelle supposedly sent to Angela were actually sent by Angela herself using a host of VPNs and third-party servers. Angela had replied to the fantasy ads herself, posted ads of her own in order to frame Michelle and get her locked up. The IP addresses all matched Angela and Ian's home, Angela's mobile phone, and Angela's father's house. It was all, it was Angela. Then on 30th September, 2016, Ian goes to the police to tell his side of the story. It's unclear if he knew that Michelle's parents had, you know, figured out everything. The police was about to find out everything. But at this point, he had sold the condo, kept the money for himself. And now he was about to rat out Angela. He first begins by telling them that Angela never had a miscarriage because of the stress that Michelle caused her, that he actually encouraged Angela to get an abortion because when he first met her, she was either already pregnant or she got pregnant quickly with Ian and they just didn't know who the father was. So they just didn't want to deal with it. Then Ian tells police that her current pregnancy you know, the one where she was pregnant with twins, was fake. He found out that Angela had purchased a fake sonogram on Etsy, as well as a fake pregnancy test in order to trick Ian. After he found out she lied, that is when he left her. But that's not all Angela faked. No, no, no. Before she met Ian, she faked having cancer, doctor's notes. She forged checks, faked being an attorney. She told people she was a lawyer. She wasn't. She was a liar. Angela was a skilled con artist with a history of tricking friends and ex-boyfriends. In the past, her friends had even staged an intervention with her that they recorded because she had faked having cervical cancer. She had shaved her head and shown them pictures of her getting chemotherapy in her arm. But as soon as they Googled simple cancer terms, Images would pop up, the same images that she had sent them. She was also known to impersonate two of her ex's ex-girlfriends via email. Then, if that wasn't enough, when Ian went to the police and ratted on Angela, during their investigation, they found a bunch of wild shit. They found Google searches of the movie and book Gone Girl on Angela's phone. There was also a typed out Word document outlining the story of Angela Diaz. This was a true story. She planned to pitch this story to the Lifetime Network and it was called A Darkness Within, the Angela Diaz story and Daughters of God, the Angela Diaz story. A week after Ian went to the police about Angela a week. The DA visits Michelle in jail, shakes her hand and apologizes. She was then released while the police continued to investigate Angela. I don't know why it took a week or even a few days for them to come and see Michelle in jail because 
Even after that, it still took three months for the police to publicly clear Michelle of these crimes. She made a statement saying, everyone wanted to silence me. That's the worst thing as a victim. How can I heal when the true story is not even out there? And people are asking questions about the love triangle. I wanted to be polite, but I also wanted to yell. There was no freaking love triangle, you idiots. Three months after her release, before the police publicly proclaimed her innocence, Michelle was still waiting to be exonerated by the police. And she was pissed at this point. She was pissed at the police's failure. She was pissed that she had to wear an ankle monitor for weeks that left her scarred. And she goes to the prosecutor and she tells him, if you don't announce my innocence soon, that I had no involvement in any of this, I'm going to go to the media. I'm going to tell them that your department locked me up for months without any evidence. Suddenly, a few days later, on 9th January 2017, the Orange County DA's office publicly proclaimed Michelle's innocence and that they had now captured the true perpetrator, which was the initial victim, Angela. They stated, as a result of intensive investigative work, we found out who was truly responsible for, you know, these emails and that they all came from Angela, Angela's own um, IP addresses. Investigative work, which would have taken minutes to do at the start, if you did it at the start. Investigators stated that Angela's use of VPNs made it impossible to track the IP addresses at the beginning when they initially um, accused Michelle. But Michelle's lawyers were not buying that because apparently through a warrant that was issued three days before Michelle's first arrest, they found that tw at least 21 of the emails that Angela had sent were coming from the same condo that her and Ian lived in. So basically no one's checking, no one's checking their work. On 17th, October, 2017, Angela Diaz pleaded guilty to 10 felony counts, which included false imprisonment and perjury. She was sentenced to five years in prison, which is wild because if Michelle was found guilty, she would be facing life in prison and Angela was facing five years. And this was because Angela struck a deal. However, Ian, he was not publicly named. He was just referred to as John Doe, which normally is used for victims, right? But Michelle was not happy about this, especially because after he came forward to the police and he ratted on Angela, he was never never questioned again. In 2019, Michelle was determined to fight for justice. So she filed a lawsuit against Angela Diaz, Ian Diaz, and the city of Anaheim for falsely accusing her of a crime that she did not commit. But truly in her heart, she believed that Ian was the one who orchestrated and set up the whole thing, definitely more involved than he claimed he was. And she also believed that his fellow officers also did not look into Ian thoroughly because of his background. Michelle stated, this is a case where a bunch of cops were looking out for each other. So reportedly this lawsuit was settled in 2021 and the city refused to accept any liability, any blame really, but they agreed to settle with uh, Michelle and pay her $1.7 million. Michelle has since found a really good job marketing for a beauty company and she moved to New York to live with her sister. She is still suffering from trauma of the event and she never got a single dollar from the sale of the condo um, that Ian sold for 499000 
and they bought it for like 470,000. So it was like a $20,000 profit, which doesn't make sense to me if the mortgage wasn't both their names. Cause I don't think he was able to transfer it in his name. So how the hell did he sell it? Maybe he sold it when she was in jail, but I feel like at least in Australia, you can't, you can't sell. Like if me and Jay are in a mortgage, he can't sell the home without me discharging the mortgage. It's just, that was interesting. I don't know if anyone knows, let me know down below in 2021, Ian was finally indicted on several charges, including conspiracy to commit cyber stalking, cyber stalking, perjury, and obstruction of a federal matter. His trial took place very recently in May of 2023, and Ian was facing a maximum um, penalty prison time of 20 years, but he was sentenced to 10 years and one month in prison. He got more than Angela because he didn't strike a deal, I'm guessing. And, you know, was he really the one involved? Phew. All this because of one man, because Michelle chose to walk away from him. Imagine if she stayed with him, what her life would have been like. Jeez. But then again, how does crazy attract crazy? You know what I mean? Like these people, they find each other. Is there like a radar? Ian found Angela so quickly, someone who had already conned people before, married her within one month and then tried to destroy his ex-girlfriend Michelle's life because of one condo and a failed relationship. But then he also tried to destroy Angela's life. I mean, throw her completely under the bus. But was he involved? Did he tell her? to send these emails or was Angela just like, this is my man, you know, I'm gonna get rid of that, that conniving Christian girl, you know? Weird. Honestly, wild, what do you guys think? Thank God there's no one killed in this, right? I mean, very easily, I feel like it very easily could have escalated because that's just how these things, it's just how they go. And if it wasn't for Michelle's parents, they stuck by their daughter, they really, really believed in her, so. Everything she had to go through, she didn't even get anything out of it because apparently she's still stuck with like debts and stuff. Like she got $1.7 million, but she should have gotten more. What do you guys think? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and I will see you in next week's video. Besitos. Mwah. Bye.